The Athletic. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. And this episode is something of a starter for the main event that will come later on this week. Sean Dyche is on the agenda for this week's main episode of the Tactics Pod. But how about a bonus episode as well? We'd like to weigh in somewhat on the Enzo Fernandez signing for Chelsea, a British record transfer fee. Uh, I've got Mark Kerry and Liam Tharm with me and I want to find out everything that there could possibly be to know about Enzo Fernandez on the pitch and what he can offer to this Chelsea team. So thank you for joining me, guys. Uh, Enzo Fernandez is not only the record British transfer fee, but if you look at the top 10, Mark, let's expand it out to 10. He's also quite a big outlier in one specific sense, and that is career appearances. Yeah, you'd expect someone who's going to be signing for a British record fee um, to play kind of about 100, 150, maybe 200 league games across their career. Someone that you think is going to enter their prime years or be around their prime years. Um, Enzo Fernandez has played 70 games, 70 league games across his career so far. Obviously just 22 uh, years old, just 17 league games in European football. And we must remember that he did have a, a career before he made it over to Benfica. But it's just quite stark when you compare it against the other uh, record fees, just how few games he's played and also how young he is as well. As I say, you want someone who you think is going to be in their peak, ready to go straight away. And he's very talented. We know that. And we'll come on to that. But just how few games he's played is worthy of flagging. I guess you can understand why some would see it as a red flag. There isn't as much evidence, if you like, dare I say it, data or video to look at compared to, to other players who have moved for some of the highest transfer fees in British transfer history. At the same time, he's not being bought for what he's done so far in his career, but rather what Chelsea perceive he will do over the next 10 years or so. Uh, Liam, what sort of player have Chelsea bought here? They've brought an interesting midfielder. Um, I think some of their issues this season for Potter in particular has been trying to get that, as Mark likes to say, get the alchemy right and the, the balance of midfield profiles. Obviously, they've let Jorginho go and he's probably quite similar to Jorginho in terms of a play style. Um, the, the term metronome has come up when Mark and I were sort of uh, doing our research on him. Someone who is a quite a neat passer, has got some moments of playing that Hollywood pass, that big sort of diagonal switch. Uh, often he, he's playing on a 4-2-3-1 at Benfica, normally on the left of the double pivot. We'll often drop out, the fullbacks will push on high and wide then he'll be hitting those big diagonals um, in behind but also a lot of just you know neat ticking over the play um, you look at some of his games in the Champions League lots of high pass completion some low risk passes um, so should be good for sort of build up um, in the first phase I like to call him a tempo dictator as Ooh. well because I looked at the numbers on it as you say limited numbers but in Portugal, he averaged 109 passes per 90, which was more than any other player to play 900 minutes or more. So it shows just how much he is the person to get on the ball, be that out ball. He's not going to necessarily be that one to play that threaded pass, but he gets involved early on in the build-up. He's always that out ball. And yeah, he's just the, the metronome, the uh, tempo dictator. And is he the sort of player that will have a what you might call an expansive passing range? I think... In the modern game, when I when I want to, when I'm hearing about tempo dictators, I want to know that they're setting a pretty high tempo. That they're not just circulating the ball, albeit there's a time and a place for that. But actually, when push comes to shove, they can play a big switch, for example, or punch a pass through the lines and just get attacks flowing rather than slowing them down and making it easier for teams to defend against. 
Yeah, I'd say so. I think so far, and you've shown some of that for Argentina as well, um, in sort of a very specific midfield three where you had Alexis McAllister, who's probably quite a well-balanced sort of tackler as well as a bit of a passer, uh, but not too much over sort of long distances. And Rodrigo de Paul, we know all about for his athleticism, really, and um, being the balance there. So he's often the deepest one of the midfield. Um, and I think he might sort of not quite go through games at times that people might watch and be like, oh, he doesn't do anything too exciting. And then you take him out and then maybe, you know, you see the impact that uh, isn't there when he's not there. Uh, but yeah, definitely likes to switch, particularly from left to right. Um, and you're thinking maybe if you could drop off to the right at times, we were hypothesizing that, you know, Mudrick possibly getting on the end of some of those. Uh, that's the sort of service some of the, the wide players might want. Uh, but it's important because Chelsea are quite a low ranking team this season. Uh, Mark and I looked at some of the numbers for both switches and for through balls. Um, and that's despite, you know, being quite a high ranking team for possession. Benfica are the, the top team for possession in Portugal. Um, so it's good to see that there's at least some translation of the system there. I think as well, like you think about the versatility of his passing range, he is also versatile and young enough to be malleable to play different positions in a midfield role. So we spoke about how he's in a defensive midfield role at Benfica or or has been um, in a 4-2-3-1. He was kind of the base of the midfield for Argentina, as Liam has said, and we cover this in the, in the piece. But he is also able to play in, as kind of more of a marauding box-to-box number eight. He can also play as a, as a number 10 in his time um, in Argentina. So his passing range is versatile enough, could be more given how young he is but also his I think his tactical versatility and able to play anywhere within the midfield is also versatile as well well one of my favorite phrases when talking about midfield players is system proof because as you say there are a ton of different roles a ton of different profiles within the the broad position of central midfield and in different team shapes and in different team styles and patterns there are different types of player and central midfielder that thrive and and suit those systems and occasionally you get players who uh, may be very clearly perfect for one system which might be uh, high possession for example without needing to do a a ton of defensive work uh, and then vice versa it feels like we're looking at a player who we could call pretty definitively system proof there should be a place for him no matter how Graham Potter wants to play if he wanted to tear it all up and and play a different style Enzo's likely to, to fit whatever he needs yeah, and you expect that to a degree with the young player. Um, you've seen the benefit of that playing on a Scaloni. Of course, you forget that he made his international debut, I believe, September of last year. So literally two months before the World Cup. Um, this player that's come in uh, didn't, you know, wasn't the starter as the defensive midfielder in the tournament. So it's, it's come into international football midway through, um, you know, what might be the biggest tournament of his career. Uh, and he settled very quickly, uh, which I think will put then some pressure on him now to settle quickly and adapt tactically. As Mark, I think, alluded to well in the piece that he's not the only thing that should solve their problems. As we've said, I think for every Chelsea signing uh, this window is that, you know, this one player can't solve everything. But you hope with enough of these different puzzle pieces that Fernandez might be an extra ingredient to unlock Mudrick uh, or to, you know, provide service for João Felix. So you hope you add these things together and they, you know, create a more functioning attack. Jorginho's moved on to Arsenal. He had played the fourth most league minutes for Chelsea, the most of any central midfielder this season. So I, I guess that you know, after maybe a few days to settle in, we can expect Enzo Fernandez to take Jorginho's minutes, right? So we come back to this question of alchemy and midfield combination, something that Chelsea have been striving for for quite a while now with the, the central midfielders at their disposal. Which of Chelsea's other central midfielders, one or two of them, do you think seem to you the best fit in terms of complementing what Enzo Fernandez will bring to the team? It's a good question. 
I think to kind of focus on Enzo Fernandez's skill set, he kind of does have a little, we spoke about it again in the piece, he does have a little bit of all of Chelsea's midfield and now departing midfield. He's got the bit of Jorginho in him and able to sort of dictate the play and control the ball. He's got a bit of, not too much, but a little bit of the, the Kovacic in him and able to, to carry the ball forward, very comfortable technically. Um, he's good at a bit of sort of the, the off-ball running side of it, which Conor Gallagher offers as well. So as much as who he'd maybe complement within the midfield, I think what he does have is a little bit more of a well-rounded skill set rather than, not that Kovacic and Jorginho and Gallagher are specialists per se, but it just, I think it's really good to know that whoever he plays with, he'll mm. bring out the best of them because he also has a bit of that, each of their skill set in, in his own um, his own skill set, yeah. I was intrigued watching Jorginho and Lewis Hall as a double pivot against Liverpool, I think it was, um, and watching Jorginho try and maybe be a bit more of the dictator and sort of point where he wanted the passes to go. And of course, with Lewis Hall, you've got that left-footed balance. I know he's sort of a, a player that can play fullback or wingback, um, but I think that's an increasing thing now, nowadays in, in modern football. So those two, I appreciate they're very young and often that's seen as maybe, uh, you know, you need experience in those central positions, but I think they could be a really exciting pairing. I think you need quality uh, in the first phase there to unlock people like Mason Mount uh, higher up the pitch. Obviously, if Chukwameka can play higher there and um, Gallagher to a degree as well, I think is probably quite a good late runner, even if he's not fantastic, maybe on the half turn. Um, so I think if you, Chelsea, ironically, if they can improve that part deeper down the pitch, I think their attack might start to flourish a lot more because they're going to get those players into the positions a lot more and they're going to get the service. As you wrote in your piece, it is a, a team that's been lacking a coherent attacking structure from back to front for, for some time now. And, and this should go some way, we hope, to sorting that. Um, clearly, technically sound, technically excellent. Out of possession, very, very important part of the game. And, and perhaps, to my eyes anyway, somewhere where Jorginho didn't always look that comfortable with the, the speed of the Premier League, maybe not being able to cover ground quite as quickly as you would like. Pretty tenacious in the tackle and, and certainly a hard worker without the ball, but certainly you wouldn't want Jorginho ho holding down the fort uh, against a team that attacks well in transi transition. So what can we expect from Enzo Fernandez in that sense? I think he's he's quite a dynamic player, uh, although I think some of his best moments defensively come when he loses the ball. He's quite good at reacting and sort of counter-pressing immediately. I think he's, he's a good tackler. There's a great stat that, that Mark pulled about him having the most tackles in a World Cup final for a number of years. Um, but having sort of watched some of them back, he's not a hugely clean tackler. Um, I don't think he's too refined. Often he's doing stuff at speed. I think that reflects in, in terms of his interceptions and his blocks. And again, I appreciate he's playing in a possession-heavy team, which will skew his numbers, but it's at least comparative to Chelsea, I think, in, in any degree. Um, I don't think he reads the game hugely well, and maybe he shouldn't because he's, he's 22. He's got so much room to grow. Um, but I think in terms of his, his best defensive stuff comes from the ball and everything being in front of him, not maybe defending in a block, having to track runners. Um, Again, that might change and that might grow, but uh, I think his ability to sort of prevent counterattacks and um, yeah, be alive when he loses it is, is key. Youthful energy, I like to say, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I remember doing a bit of a profile on Ed, uh, Eduardo Camavinga before he um, he went to Real Madrid. And I think it's the same sort of thing where he's got the, the, the energy to cover a lot of ground. He's able to kind of nick in very, uh, very actively, engages really well. But sometimes when the, the pace of the game is faster, you might just get caught out a little bit. And bear in mind, this is someone who's going to the Premier League where the pace is really fast, that he does have a lot of enthusiasm defensively, loves a tackle, can really got a bit of a bite to him, which is really positive. But you know, you just got to make sure that he doesn't bite too much and just needs to make sure that he improves the reading of his game. He's 22 years old. He's going to improve the reading of his game defensively, but it's a good thing to channel that energy defensively and he'll, he'll improve that within time. 
that feels maybe like the the most obvious area in which there'd be space to grow, shall we say, if he were to uh, become the complete package, the all-round midfield player and, and justify the, the eye-watering fee paid for him. And um, Could we see him potentially taking Chelsea's set pieces? Uh, I know, as for most uh, clubs fans, Chelsea fans often feel like they don't get the best out of their set-piece situations, occasionally frustrated with the delivery that they see. Um, taking really good, dangerous corners is a very, very difficult skill, even for professional footballers. I think it's always worth <laughs> noting that, uh, particularly those these near post in swingers getting it over the first man but in front of the second man not easy to do uh, but they are bottom eight per the opta analyst site for set piece output whether you're looking at expected goals or just pure shots from set piece situations or goals themselves Chelsea have been a bottom eight team so another area where hopefully Fernandez could help them yeah it's quite interesting he's joint top for corners taken for Benfica this season uh, along with David Naresh um, so he's clearly not the primary taker and when he does take them and does create they often tend to be these short combinations where he's taking it but he's passing it five yards and sort of making a run to the corner of the box and having it set back to him and looking for that far post or curler again his goal at the World Cup he doesn't play the corner I think he stood in the box but it's that same sort of location um, you know around the edge of the box where you've got those angles to sort of hit the far post and play those cutting deliveries because as we've said his passing range particularly over distance and um, striking with power is quite good uh, obviously Mason Mount is a, is a good right-footed corner taker so he's maybe not um, filling a, a void that they didn't have but I think having those options is definitely valuable um, especially if he's injured or Mount's not playing uh, it's going to offer Potter more solutions than what he had before and of course you guys uh, as much as you like to look at the tactical side of the game off the field in terms of recruitment and squad building this is a significant move for Chelsea in their bid to reduce the age of their squad. Jorginho out, uh, Enzo Fernandez in nine years younger. We assume we'll take those minutes. It's it's another step on the road to uh, to reducing that squad age. It is, yeah. I think they've done it really well in, in terms of centre-back areas. Um, recently, obviously, bringing in Badia Shiel and uh, Wesley Fofana as well. So moving away from what was Rudiger and obviously Thiago Silva can't keep going on uh, forever. Um, but I think, yeah, they needed to do the same sort of... There was surgery that was required for Chelsea's midfield and that was true since the, the summer, really. But you think of someone... Yeah, so Kante, over 30. Um, Kovacic, approaching 30. Um, Jorginho is no longer in the squad. We know that, but they definitely needed a, a significant change in terms of that um, that age profile. And I said it again in the piece that if things go right for Fernandez, this could be someone who could dominate Chelsea's midfield for the next eight to ten years. So to have someone his profile when the questions were being asked of whether the the money's worth it, obviously time will tell. I think that Chelsea are paying over the odds a little bit compared to the sort of the value that he actually offers. But if you're going to get someone in the next eight across the next eight to ten years who's going to dominate the midfield absolutely worth it well let's finish on a on a personal note every time i come into the athletic uh, headquarters one or both of you is is watching clips watching player clips looking at player numbers the work that you guys put into research uh, anyone that is linked with a premier league club to help the writers with their profile pieces and uh, you guys are, are putting in so much work so uh, i i guess my question to you is with enzo fernandez and everything that you've seen of him over the last few months his development uh, benfica argentina now over to Chelsea how excited are you guys that, that he'll be a Premier League player who'll be watching him most weeks over here yeah I think it excited um, worry for him as a, as a young I mean he's not dissimilar in age to myself and I worry that if someone slapped 120 million pounds on me um, I'm not sure how, I, how would I could do my job and the, and the pressure Um 
so yeah, you, you hope that that's not something that, that burdens him and that, you know, if he has a bad game, that that's not then slapped on him of, oh, you cost this amount of money. Um, but he proved, yeah, in the World Cup how, how good he is um, very quickly in, in a good side. Um, so I see no reason why that can't then translate to Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I think he kind of needs to be challenged a little bit because it seemed like he was, he'd was he outgrew the Argentinian uh, division. He moved to Benfica. Benfica dominated the ball so much. They're clear at the top of the table. He's dominating the midfield, playing so often. Even at this young age, I think he does need to be challenged. And playing in the Premier League, is there's arguably no greater challenge in domestic football. So I'm excited to see whether he not sinks or swims, but to see just how much he steps up from what we know is a, a very high ceiling. I mean, it's nice to get some what you might call pastoral analysis as well as uh, <laughs> tactical and data analysis as well. Um, well, thank you guys. What fun to hear about Enzo Fernandez, uh, a World Cup winner uh, and now the most expensive British transfer of all time. I feel like I know everything about him and his game now. So a huge thank you to Mark Kerry and to Liam Tharm for their thoughts and their work on the matter. Read all of their work and a specific piece about Enzo Fernandez uh, with radars, graphics and all on The Athletic site. You can sign up today at theathletic.com for slash tactics where you'll pay one pound a month for 12 months for your annual subscription thanks for listening to this bonus podcast of the athletic football tactics podcast and stay tuned for this week's main event we're going full dice with michael cox and these two as well so stay with us the athletic